Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Talking Numbers. My name is Paul Jance, just in case you've missed our series throughout 2021, which if you haven't missed our series, we hope you've really enjoyed the type of content we've been able to, been able to bring to you. Um, you know, we've had some fantastic guests throughout the year and sadly, this is our last Talking Numbers podcast for the year. And, but we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to go out with something really special and some really important information for all of you as practicing accountants, looking to grow your firm, looking to add value to your firm. I have the pleasure in chatting to one of uh, our Australia's leading brokers of our accounting industry, Colin Simkin. Welcome to Talking Numbers. How are you? Thanks, Paul. Uh, terrific. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, mate. It's and, and look, I'm looking forward to chatting to you as well. I know that a lot of people I talk to, you know, always frame you up as being one of the leading brokers in our industry. And I'm, I'm looking forward to picking your mind to things like what brings value, uh, what are the sorts of mistakes that, you know, some firms can make so other firms out there don't make those mistakes. What are the different formulas associated to succession now, whether you're buying or whether you're selling, obviously, uh, a buyer wants to buy for the least and a seller wants to sell for the most. So what? how are those valves done? And I think we're going to have a fantastic 30 minutes or so as we break this down. So if you're in the car, listen up. You can always rewind this, which is the best thing about these podcasts. You can always go back, take notes. If you're sitting there and you're watching us today, get out your notepad, get out your pen, because we're going to share a lot of information with you about how you can plan for the future. Now, Colin, for those of you that for those of our listeners that don't know much about you, and if you're obviously watching this as well, you've got the ability to, to see Colin as well. Um, maybe share with everybody that's online today a little bit about you, your story, um, and why you're doing why you're doing. Yeah, so, so my, um, I guess my background, I, I look at my career in as, as a career of two halves. Um, I spent um, a, a good uh, 20 years uh, in the corporate world, I, I frame it, um, and then uh, since then in my, my own uh, consulting business. But um, for the first uh, 20 years or so, I worked with a group called Count Wealth Accountants, um, network of, a, of, a, of accountants, and many of your listeners perhaps would know, know of that group. Um, back in the day, um, we were a group of 500 plus accounting firms uh, around Australia. I was a senior exec in that business and, and worked very closely with um, with many, many firms in that group. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly loved my time there, but um, all good things come to an end. And um, that business was bought out by um, one of our major banks. And um, that uh, took that business in, a, I guess, in a different direction, uh, perhaps another story for another day. But uh, I left uh, on, on when that happened, and um, I, um, you know, was an observer of the baby boomer market in Australia. I uh, did research on on, on that. Um, I went out of the states and did some study around succession planning. And uh, you know, during the count days, I had my MBA and all those sorts of good things. But but um, I guess when I left count, um, I then started up my own consulting, and um, uh, which today very much focuses on providing succession solutions for accountants in public practice. Brilliant, and I think you know, uh, and, I, and I know we're going to get to a bit of this, and you'll probably even share some more information with regards to your website, the type of. Uh, tools that are on there as such with practice so again and, and you're probably right we can probably come back to the uh 
the story of counting, you know, a lot of firms that have been around for X amount of years will obviously understand the count financial model and the count plus model and then the CBA sale and then probably the exit out of CBA, I suppose. It's been an interesting little, when I think about what Barry's done over the last, has it been 20 odd years? Or oh, and some, and some, yeah. Really, and plus, there you go, there you go. It doesn't seem that lot, that long, but great story, great story. Um, and you, you're probably right. We'll, we will come back to that another day. But mate, if we if we focus on a little bit about obviously what we want to talk about today, and that's about succession for accounting firms. And um, what what made you enter the market to prepare and help firms for succession? Yeah. So I guess during my count days, um, you know, uh, where I was involved in a little bit of this with different firms, and um, I think fair to say a lot of firms were underprepared. Uh, for for the, for their own succession and uh, you know that was 25 years ago 30 years ago and and I, I I think there's a bit of that still still in the marketplace today with firms not as best prepared as they can um, you know I, 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 I know the accounting industry very very well um, and uh, I think it's a, it's a natural space for me and um, yeah, I, I think I'm good at what I do and um, I, I enjoy it. And um, so that's the great thing. And, and I know that I, as when I work with an accounting firm, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of them are not prepared um, for, for succession. And so there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of value that, can be, that, that is brought to their business and, and their financial outcomes and their, you know, their, their, for the next stage of their life, which is, which I find really re- rewarding. Brilliant. So let's let's delve a little bit deeper into that and jump off script a little bit and let's talk about whether it's prepared, whether it's organised. What what does that meaning mean to you in terms of succession? Yeah. So I, I look at succession um, across three phases. The the first phase is your your succession ready phase, get, getting getting ready for and and that can be. Gosh, that that can be a month. <laughs> in some cases, that can be twelve months. That can be three years. That can be five. Years. That can be as long as you like. And dare I say it, the more time one has to prepare, the better. But you know, life is not always like that. But um, there's a there's a there's a uh, succession ready phase. Uh, there's finding the right fit phase, which is a second phase. Um, typically, I think it's um, allowing yourself uh, twelve months to find the right. Uh, the right uh, fit for your business, whether that's an internal um, uh, fit and going through the negotiations with internal parties within your practice, or finding an external buyer um, outside of outside of your business. But I think twelve months is a reasonable time, and then a, a transition phase. Um, certainly, all the clients that I work with, um, I strongly encourage them to be involved in the handover and transition of their business. Um, it's certainly in, in the, the framing of succession outcomes, it, it leads to the best outcome for all parties. Um, and, and, and more often that's one year to two, maybe three in some cases. But, um, you know, so, so as a minimum, you're, you're looking at, well, if there's 12 months for your succession ready, there's 12 months to uh, find a find a, uh, the right fit for your, tra- your succession and then 12 months for your transition there's a there's a three year three year um, window uh, that you've got to work through as you go through your succession, but you know it, it can be longer, it can be shorter, uh, depending on circumstances. Yeah, brilliant. So succession ready, right fit, and transition. Yeah. Mate, I'm, I, I, I've got a question with regards to the right fit, but I want to go back to the first phase first. 
So succession ready, um, what would be, let's say, if we had to share some stuff with our, with our listeners, top three things in terms of getting succession ready? Yeah, um, I th first, first and foremost, is it's about having a plan, right? So um, I think, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get a little plug away if I, if I may right now, on my website, succession, practicesuccession.com, um, there's a couple of great reports, great resources for uh, practitioners who are contemplating their succession. Uh, these reports, they're, they're comprehensive documents and they lay out a full game plan. So if you're you know, three years away from your succession or you're five years away from your succession, uh, there's a couple of different reports there and, and they go into great detail about um, you know, a range of different strategies that um, you probably should be focusing on uh, in, in, in going through each of those three stages um, of your succession. But, you know, as a, as a, as a broad principle, um, some of the things that will be um, really important, um, I think, um, yeah, uh, your, your lease is an interesting one. It's not necessarily the, the top one, but your, your lease is an interesting one, making sure that uh, if you do lease an office, which a lot of practice, practitioners do, of course, um, if you can align your lease with your uh, exit from the business. So what that would mean is you've, if you've got a, if you've got a, a three years to go on your lease today and you start your succession journey and it takes three years, and the day that you finish the transition period, which is often aligned with um, any earnout or retention uh, payment, um, then if uh, if the decision to continue on in that location um, or, or move the practice somewhere else uh, is in is in the hands of your successor. So al al aligning your your lease to um, your succession timetable is, I think, a really good idea. Um, uh, getting your financials organised, I think, goes without saying in many respects. But you know the, uh, and I know we'll get into some of the valuation discussions a little bit later. But um, certainly, getting your financials well organised. Um, one of the things that I like to talk about is um, the IP that is in your business, and um, the IP that is in your business, but not documented anywhere. You know, you'll have information about your clients, you'll have their, all their financial records, information about their structures and assets and liabilities and debts. But there's, 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 there's more, more to us as people, right? There's, there's our family aspects, our lives, our, journey, our, our journeys through business, um, all the different nuances that um, the a client's trusted advisor knows about them after working with them for you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, second generation, third generation, all this historical information that you and your team know about your clients, document it. And, and, and what I mean by that is take the time, focus on your top 20 clients, your top 20 family groups, um, and prepare a client dossier. It, it might be it might be one or two pages. Uh, I've got some I've got some some templates around this uh, on my website. But th these these client dossiers, you know, over a twelve month period, if you sort of did one every week, one every fortnight, um, it would it's an invaluable component in in capturing the IP of your business and that transition period. Um, that that is a uh, a really important period in your business. Um, um, one, one, you want to transfer the goodwill and, and to the whoever's going to take over your business. But typically, there's a retention piece, um, a, a financial piece involved in that. And you, know, you, you want to maximise that. So um, making sure that uh, those that client 
uh, knowledge is, is retained and, and transitioned is really important. And, and this is a great way to do that. Yeah, brilliant. So we just spoke about a game plan. As, and so and perhaps, perhaps the other one, Paul, um, yep. the other I think is, uh, the, well, the two more that's worthwhile looking at is uh, from a team point of view, your employment agreements, make sure all staff have got employment agreements, current up-to-date employment agreements. Uh, that is not always the case in my experience. And, and if there is, um, uh, look at your leave entitlements for your team. If there is excessive leave entitlements, uh, annual leave, long service leave, personal leave, if there is excessive leave amounts on the books, work with your team to start um, um, uh, using that up. Um, it, 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 it's not, not always a great look if you're uh, somebody who's taking over practice and a staff member you know, wants, to, wants to take that, that, that whole bunch of annual leave that they've been saving up for the last um, how, however many long and they want to take a two-month break on the, on the day the transition happened. That's a real problem, right, for, mm -hmm. for a host of reasons. So, so, so get, your, get that leave balances in order um, uh, as you, as you uh, work through that succession-ready phase. And, and perhaps the last one I would touch on is um, your cash lockup. If you've got, you know, it's, it's one that's been um, discussed and mentioned forever, I guess, but I, I continually see, see it as a problem. Um, whipping debtors, if you're whipping debtors, uh, uh, if each of them are more than 30 days, you know, look at, do, do something about it. And there's a myriad of strategies you can put in place in your practice to address it. But if you don't, uh, whoever takes over from the business probably will, um, and and there will there will likely be a, a cost to that. So I say um, you take the lead on it. You sort these matters out, and it'll be a, it, it will be a far better outcome for all parties concerned um, if you do that. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant little uh, series of golden nuggets there with game plans, um, IP, leases. Uh, transition phase, so that, that dossier list of starting with 20 clients, employment agreements, employment leave entitlements, and obviously good old lockup. So you just said mentioned there that, um, you know, 30 days whip, 30 days debtors. So total of 60, but I agree, those, those numbers were 60 plus going back 10 years ago. Nowadays, with all the different learnings, technology, there's no reason why that should be under 30 days. So we'll, we'll get to that now in terms of what determines a good price. But one of the other things I just wanted to talk about was, and we might come back to it, but right fit was an interesting one because does that mean not always the highest price is the right fit? Absolutely. You know, there's, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced it uh, with clients that I've worked with, but you know, there's certainly there's plenty of stories out there that you know acquisitions have been done and and they've been they've been a disaster, um, and um, you know hasn't worked for either party. And um, typically, typically what happens for the seller is that um, their retention that might you know so a, a normal transaction might be say you've got a, a practice worth a million bucks. Um, a fairly sort of standard um, uh, transaction might be eight, you receive 80% of the value of the business today. So let's say 800,000 and then 200,000 might be paid in 12 months time, provided the business um, turns over, you know, a million in fees in 12 months time. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of examples of, of, you know, businesses being absolutely falling apart and no retention being paid and, you know um, the 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 goodwill and the the 
you know, all the relationships that the that the the vendor uh, had in their business, they're all gone. It's, it's just bad for everybody. And so the the fit is absolutely critical to get the right fit, the cultural fit, you know, the the service alignment fit, um, you know, the, the the how how the businesses will work work together through that transition phase. Um, yeah, but the, so the fit the fit is so much more than just price. And you know, what, one of the one of the biggest mistakes I see some practitioners must make as as they're going through the process this process is that they they just deal with one party one buyer right and so um, because somebody somebody's approached them and the reality is it is a it is a seller's market um, and normally when I take a practice to market if that's the um, the, the pathway that we're going down um, you know it is not uncommon to have 10, 15, 20 written offers on the table that we're working through. And, and we won't meet with all them. We will, we will um, cull that and, and scrutinise that and, and, and work through and find out which of those firms on paper we think and what we know about those is, is the best fit before we, before we meet with them. And, um, and, and you know, we'll meet with three, four, five, six firms um, face-to-face uh, to, 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 to try and find that best fit for that practice. Um, so yeah, in, in my experience, there is so much more to, and, and certainly it is not always the highest dollar that wins. And that was a, that was an interesting, as soon as you said that, that's where my brain went to because people to go gravitate towards obviously the highest price, yeah. but this is not just selling a property and moving on. This is, yeah. Yeah. selling a business and a lot of goodwill. I mean, people, people, people want a, you know good value for their for their practice, and you know there are there are, there are as I say, it is a seller's market. So having the choice and options to pick, and you know to be truthful, um, you know you know, I, I know we've had previous discussions. You know, I've, I've never never sold a practice for under a dollar for dollar. You know that old rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, often often the practices that that I would sell are in that. Um, you know, dollar fifteen, dollar twenty, dollar twenty-five, dollar thirty, dollar thirty-five kind of realm. Um, and so the the financial outcomes are, cer- are certainly there, but yeah. uh, it, it is not the only uh, the only metric that one would be looking at. Okay, so let's let's delve a little bit deeper into that in terms of you know you're right. Um, uh, if you're looking to buy a practice, you probably start at seventy cents and you work your way up. You know, but what what determines value at the end of the day? So uh, from a dollar to a dollar thirty. If someone's working on a thought process mindset of the next three years and how I continue to build value, let's talk about how we build value. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, your, your, the value of practice uh, largely will be term- determined by your turnover as a starting point. Um, and then, you know, secondary to that will be your profitability. Uh, and th- th- there's clearly a, a whole bunch of other other elements uh, un- underneath that. But, you know, rule of thumb in the accounting industry, uh, it's been around forever and it holds, certainly holds true today that, um, you know, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of firms, a lot of buyers will look at, look at uh, the value of practice implying this rule of thumb dollar for dollar um, or cents in the dollar is probably a better um, description of it. And as I say, I, I have not sold a practice for a dollar for dollar. They've always been higher. But putting that aside, uh, um, as a, as a rule of thumb, um, if your practice has profitability, um, normalised EBITDA after partner salary, uh, market salary, 
um, of of uh, 20%, 25% then uh, you will be looking at a you should be you should be framing that business uh, based on a, uh, a a multiple of earnings and that multiple of earnings typically will be in that four to five uh, range um, if you if you have a business is um, less profitable and there are many firms out there in the marketplace you know five percent ten percent uh, whatever the case may be typically they will they will sell for dollar for dollar you know or a cents in the dollar um, versus um, the, the more profitable firms that have got 30, 40, 50, 60, 70%. And I've worked with firms in all that realm. Um, then they are, they are selling on a, uh, on a multiple of profits. Okay. So you just mentioned, it's probably an interesting one because what is deemed as market salary? Is that determined by, by you know, is there some sort of... Yeah, um, you know, um, Hayes has got some, some yeah. great research on this and I think it's uh, available via their website. But, yeah. you know, a, a, um, um, a Sydney CBD practitioner, a partner who's selling their business, you know, their salary, I, th- I think the, the going rate is, is, is 180, 185 plus... Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's one eighty five plus super. I might, sorry, it might be one seventy five plus super. Yeah, but it's a, I mean, as a rough gauge, 200, 200 grand package is exactly. is is um is is around the mark. Yeah. Yeah. And, key, and, and, and sorry, sorry. In, in other markets, it obviously it's it's less. Yes, and I suppose the key to that was trying to understand and let our listeners understand that you know if you're working in numbers and it's EBITDA after market salary, so let's call it a two hundred k salary, and yeah, that's in Sydney. It'd be obviously a little bit lower in Melbourne and maybe a little bit lower again in Queensland and other states maybe, but I suppose that's a good starting point to have a look at. Yep. Okay, brilliant. And then that will determine a four to five times multiple of that if that is, and you've obviously seen firms that are a lot higher and lower. Yeah, I've, I've, I've certainly done transactions that are, uh, you know, in that four to five times range and I've done transactions that are um, that are above and, and, and well above that, um, that that five times range. So, yeah, there, there are certainly different outcomes in the, in the market that can be achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant. So this is great about talking about value for the firms, which is, which is brilliant. And we want to, you know, I've just come off a CPA discussion group presentation last week and we were talking about growth and how revenue what what do you want to focus on growing revenue growing profit really critical factors um let's talk about what devalues a firm you know for those people to get into the right mindset of what not to do yeah what do you believe believe devalues a firm so i guess a few things um um you know, as I touched before, you know, don't not having not having a plan. You know, not having a succession plan is is your, is your biggest mistake. Um, probably the, the the you know, there's an old there's an old uh, saying that says, you know, only a fool has themselves for a client. You know, going through this process, um, if you've never sold a practice, um, going through this practice and, and leading it by yourself, I think is um, there's a whole host of reasons why um, that is not uh, ideal. But um, Specifically in your business, you know, um, erratic financials um, or fun, fun, you know revenues on a on a decreasing trend, profitability on a decreasing trend or up and down, you know that's uh, that that is certainly not ideal. Um, a client base uh, that is either leaking or continually being replenished and turned over. Um, they are so stability is is so in you know your financials you want growing financials uh, with your client base you want a stable client base um, with 
you know, businesses that, that the, you're adding value to or clients you're adding value to. Uh, having, a, having an unstable team, you know, many, many years ago, uh, many years ago, um, there was a, a, a practice a practice that uh, is probably 30 years ago now. I remember um, that I, I had some dealings with in my former life and uh, this practice, um, the, the practitioner would literally, you'd go into this business and he, he might've had six or eight staff, but every six months that they'd be new people, you know? Um, so, but but having a, I mean, that's that's just a, a crazy example, but having a stable team is really important and a, and a team that are engaged in, in the business, a team that are productive, um so you know uh, uh and you know that have got you know getting the right professional development behind them and the, they've got you know um they're engaged in this sort of educational kind of positioning they're they're, they're all the good things you want um and uh, you know what you don't what you don't want is that is to have team members that are silos or partners that are silos that run a run a a, a client book within the business that they're the only ones that have their finger, fingertips um, uh, over those clients. You know, so having silos is something that you definitely don't want in, in practices. Um, and the last one is just, you know, just not being organised. You know, uh, when, when, I, when I work with a firm, um, I, I drive them bananas um, in the first few weeks I work with them, the amount of information that I, that I want from them to, 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 um, to appropriately present the business. Um, and you know, and review the business and understand the business. And um, the truth and reality is that uh, I haven't come across one firm that is um, that has done the, the the depth of analysis that I do on their on their own business. Now they know their own business; they intuitively know these, but but they don't the, to to the depth of analysis that that certainly I go through. Um, firms don't do that, but but certainly and and typically what I find is that. Um, you know, you, you take them on a path of, of getting all your information. And a lot of firms are, are going through and, and kind of getting themselves organised through that process, yes. um, which, which is really powerful and, and obviously beneficial. But so there's some of the things that uh, can, can, I think, um, are real mistakes that, that parties, you know, can avoid. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And I think, again, to our listeners, that's, this is just priceless information that, you know, um, listening to this and trying to work through and then, putting a plan together for 2022 and your game plan for let's say in the next three years, if that's what you're choosing to do, I suppose we've also got ourselves into an interesting, I think over the last probably, I'll say the last seven years, things have got better in terms of while we've found people hard to find here in Australia, I know the call it the outsourcing or insourcing or offshoring has grown dramatically therefore allowing team members or sorry firms to have team members overseas and from the, the firms that I've been speaking to it just allows them to re reduce their costs but still produce work in a very timely manner are, are you finding that that in itself has been adding to profitability have you had any experience or thoughts in that yeah look um you know particularly particularly for regional firms um you know finding finding people can be a, just a massive challenge right and um you know, there's, there's one thing um, uh, sifting through a quality issue, but there's, it's another issue when you just can't find anybody. <laughs> so, so um, you know, regional firms are certainly really challenged in that front. But you know, the the, the, the more profitable firms I've dealt with firms um, that are sixty and seventy percent. Uh, I've got a sixty and seventy percent um, uh, EBITDA. They don't, they don't do they don't do um, outsourcing. 
you know they don't they have they don't have that um so so you know different firms different the cloth the cloth is cut differently right um, but I, but it's not the the be all and end all you know this is the only way that i can be a profitable or efficient business is by using outsourcing you know it's 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 a it's another tool in your to to how you might you know uh, shape your business but uh, it's certainly not the uh, the the only way and um that to to run a great business what's your thoughts on and this, this came up last week at the CPA discussion group with regards to pricing um, and how, you know, again, we're entering a new calendar year very soon. This being our last one for 2021, but talking about how do you go about pricing and the pricing model, is that something you believe that pricing needs to be increased annually? Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, and and again, in in those reports that I referenced earlier, that's you know one of the things you you would certainly look at is is your is your price model. You know, some some firms do value pricing, some 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 do it. You know, time billing systems, um, but it, uh, certainly uh, looking at your price model uh, annually is 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 the right practice. Um, but uh, clearly, in my experience, not all firms do that. No. Um, but if where you are heading towards your succession again in that succession ready phase, um, you would certainly I think look at your price model and look at uh, reviewing that price model um, and, and and bring it up to market if it's not. And um, what, what you don't want to be uh, if if you are if you're at the top end of, the, of your local market, terrific. If you're in the market, terrific. Okay, no problems. But you do not want to be below market. Um, particularly, you know, so as an example, if you're if you're two twenty an hour uh, as an hourly rate, and somebody's looking at acquiring your business and they're they're three fifty an hour, uh, often that that can be a problem. You know, and, and so. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a whole, whole, there's a whole, whole host of reasons why competing on price is a slippery slope. But certainly, from a succession planning perspective, um, um, your price model is, is certainly one of the elements you should be reviewing in that, uh, say, in that phase of getting yourself ready. And do do you have a do you have a a model either way to suggest to listeners of how they should be approaching this? Is it a Standard ten percent is it a five percent? Is it a how do we you know, on on on, you know, on 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 uh, year to year year to year? You would uh, you know you you would you would you know, most firms would would that, that do it year to year would typically it's uh, C, CPI are up or up to that sort of four or five percent right and and, and so, so that is a very fair and reasonable model, um, but. You know that that's a whole whole another discussion, I guess, around you know your, your whole pricing model and 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 uh, and how you and you know what value you do and what are the what are the what are the plat- platforms that you I guess that you you deliver value to clients and 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 how how's it perceived. But but certainly um, as a principal, uh, being at the lower end of your local market um, in terms of in terms of price and rates is is not ideal. Yeah, because it's always the I suppose what. In the discussion we had last week, it's always the fear, the fear of putting prices up and how clients will react. And therefore, our discussion last week also went into, um, well, we tend to sort of put prices up, but we fail sometimes to display the value associated with what we do. So all of those sort of mindset issues come into it, don't they? I, you know, I, having worked with, uh, with accounting firms for, for, for 30 plus years, my experience has, um, and and I, I, you know, I've certainly heard all those discussions, been part of those discussions. But those firms that operate 
at, at the higher rates and the higher levels, um, they don't have shrinking businesses. They don't have clients running away. Uh, they've got growing businesses. They've got profitable businesses. Um, so you are you are absolutely spot on, one hundred percent. It is uh, all about the value the value that you bring to clients. Yeah, brilliant. And that that we're we're, we're going to win pretty soon. I was going to ask you for a piece of advice for our listeners before we end, but that is prices exactly what you said then is and, and there's a lot of different consultants whether it be you me there's different people that have been out into the marketplace and they they all state that and that that was a really really important point there so go back and listen back to that if you, if you didn't capture exactly what that when that came up around uh oh, well, i'd love to share just one one practical example with, with your listeners which i i think kind of highlights the 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 difference in in in, in process and pathways um earlier this year I, I took a call from a practitioner uh regional practitioner um, who was going through their succession journey, um, who had called me up for some advice. Um, you know, they, they, they were working through a process with an in, internal um, buyer within their business. And so as they were going through this process, um, they were dealing with essentially one buyer who was an employee. Um, they had one offer on the table and their ability to negotiate um, with this one buyer was certainly very limited. Um, and um, it, it was a clearly a very high stressful situation for the the vendor for the seller um, for the principal who owned the business uh, he, he was not getting the outcomes that he wanted but he was left dealing with one party um, I uh, while that was going on I was dealing with another regional firm um, both these firms were very profitable businesses dealt with business clients good quality businesses um, the, the practitioners, uh, you know, just very similar in so many metrics. The, the practitioner that, that, that I was working with, uh, we had 60 inquiries on their business. Um, we, had, we had 45 parties that had signed confidentiality for information on, on this business. We, were, we had 15 written offers on the table. Um, we reduced that down to a short list of, 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 of four buyers who we, we felt that were on uh, were a really good fit uh, and we went through a you know a high level of negotiation with those parties my client ended up with so it was it, it, it was a dollar 15 the party that the party the regional firm that um, uh, went through this process by himself with internal staff he was he got he got held held to a, a, an ultimatum if you don't sell to me I'm going to leave uh, and he ended up selling for 80 cents in the dollar. So the, the, the difference was about a quarter of a million dollars. And, um, you know, that, 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 that it's, it's a significant outcome, but the stress, the stress levels and whatnot that, um, that um, one practitioner went through versus the other um, was, was massive. And um, so I think, I think there are a lot of learnings in the marketplace um, but certainly getting getting right advice at, on on your succession, I think, is uh, uh, just so important um, and, and acting on that advice. Yeah, brilliant. What a great way to finish in terms of uh, just providing our listeners with a great story and great advice. Mate, um, how do people find you? Just give it a plug again. Yeah, practicesuccession.com. Um, and uh, there's, some, there's some great material, great resources and great information on that site. Um, some you know, great case study videos and the like. So if you haven't been on there, jump on there and um, it'll be um, worth your while. Yeah, fantastic. So practicesuccession.com. 
um, check out as much as you like there. And I think, you know, again, the last 30 minutes has just provided some fantastic resources, thoughts, um, advice, stories, all the things that every firm should go about in researching if they're going to get to that stage. And, you know, I think everyone goes into business to one day sell that business and realize the value at the top of the game of what's going to fit for you. So um, I think it's been a wonderful 30 minutes. So Colin Simkin, thank you very much for joining me today, mate. It's been a fantastic in the last of our 21 series of talking numbers. I've enjoyed to get to know you more, the knowledge, the expertise, the passion that you have, um, and more importantly, the outstanding results you get for firms within our industry. So thank you again. And I wish you all the best for 2022. Look forward to talking more and delving into some of those deeper topics I think that we can delve into in 2022. I look forward to it, Paul, and uh, all the best to you and your listeners. And uh, looking, absolutely looking for a uh, far better 2022 for all of us. Thank so you. true, so true. Thanks, mate. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for joining us to listening to our Talking Numbers podcast. Um, we've got plenty of several big-name guests to come, and obviously if you've liked anything you've heard, please go back please like it, please share it, please comment on it. Um, and more importantly, if you like what we're doing, please make sure you check us out on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all our different socials, The Professional Partners, and you'll find us there. Thanks for listening.